first lesson of Let the Numbers Decide course. My name is Colin Miles, aka The Numbers Guy, and I'm excited to be working with you over the coming lessons and modules. I think by now you've come to understand who I am and the style of my approach, which is varied. So to continue on that theme, I've moved locations again, so the videos aren't all of the same. Today, as promised, I'm going to set the scene for the whole course and in fact give you enough information in this video to actually start a, to start a business um, very quickly. Now, of course, if you're a superhuman already, then it is feasible to complete and launch a course, sorry, to launch a business in 24 hours using this overview video. But I hope that you'll stick around just a little bit longer uh, as the course will build and will add a lot more value and have a lot of fun. The video will be in a more casual um, discussion style with me chatting to the camera a little bit like this and referring to the contents of the ebook Let the Numbers Decide Overview. The section below will be presented around the same concepts but it comes across in a PowerPoint keynote presentation with a bit more specific approach and a more formal presentation where I'm reading my notes uh, and giving very specifics. In this very version, as you can see, a little bit more ad-libbing, a little bit more light-hearted. Um, as I found that many people learn in different ways, I want to be able to give value to all of my clients, uh, course students, um, etc. Both add value, and so please feel free to uh, watch both of them. Uh, one will obviously recap the other and will perhaps create a greater total picture for you. So let me introduce to you to the uh, Let the Numbers Decide Overview book, ebook. Nice shiny cover, as you can see. Uh, and uh, yeah, so when you download it, this is what you're going to get to see as your front page. If you want to pause the video and download uh, from Dropbox so you can take notes as we move along, then please do so. Or if not, simply listen along to the informal approach, enjoy the overview, and then review the ebook alongside the PowerPoint slides below for the more formal. So, hi, let's begin. So an introduction, setting up a small business can be really, really uh, mind-blowing. Uh, there is a huge undertaking, um, and that's where this course is going to help you. We're going to walk you through step-by-step step the various stages. But initially, as I said, I thought it would be fun to have an overview of where we're going. Because as I said in my previous quote, if we don't know where we're going, any road is going to do. So number one is having that idea. Now that idea could be small, it could be large. But it's your idea and it's important that you understand that it can take time to create this. Many entrepreneurs will have had instant ideas, but there are many, many entrepreneurs who feel that it's, it takes time. Their passion, they don't know what it is. We don't know what's going to be successful. And that's where talking with other people, sharing your idea, sharing your idea here in this group is going to be extremely powerful. Because it may be that through conversations with myself, uh, with some of your family, with some of your friends, that actually the idea hasn't yet quite formed. It's like a seed. It's like very much growing of a tree. It doesn't quite know whether it's going to be a super tall tree or a super wide oak-like tree. And it will take time to germinate. Well, that's the same. So how can you hone your idea? Well, later on, we're going to look very much at some science that can go around the art of finding your idea. We're going to look at the who, the why, the what and the when. But initially that comes down to, excuse me, market research, talking it out, seeing is there a need? Is there a demand? Is your service going to solve a problem? And these are all ideas that we can explore as we move into drafting the blueprint um, and the business plan, the customer plan. 
We also want to have a thought about the competition. Are you going to play in a pond that is already very, very full? Or can you find a niche market that's got hardly any other players? Um, and we'll discuss the, the various ways we can do that when we understand that perhaps super niching, as the new phrase is all that's banded around at the moment, is key to um, carving out something unique to you. And it's later on that you can gobble up some of your competition and become a bigger player. But initially, let's start small. Many businesses, and in your case, may start just as a hobby. Um, and that's often, as the numbers guy um, here, is something I'd recommend because you're going to have a personal income that you're going to need to maintain. Um, and unless you've got a wealthy benefactor or a very supportive spouse, family member or friend, then perhaps keeping a standard job and doing a hobby is the approach that might work best to start with. That then can escalate from being a hobby into perhaps being a freelancer, so doing some extra work in the evenings. And then we get the balance as the numbers start to say, yes, they're strong enough on this side of the equation that we can perhaps look to move to part-time um, employment or even take that ultimate leap and uh, resign and focus strongly. But we're going to talk in some of the other sections using the calculator when we move into the powerful decisions uh, mode um, module, I mean, um, as to reverse engineering. Is it really a feasible um, business venture, etc.? So the big idea, that's number one on your roadmap. Um, and I suggest that you start thinking about that over the coming days before we move into the next mode, perhaps just capturing them. Um, I'm going to introduce you to a new, um, well, it's not new, a piece of software called Trello, that's T-R-E-L-L-O dot com. Have a look inside the vault and there is a link. It's a free piece of software and it's a great sort of board-like uh, program where you can start capturing ideas, you can put it on a um, there's an app so you can do it whilst you're out walking and you can just start collecting these ideas um, and start to feel, um, you know, we can start to distill them due through some of the group coaching calls um, and variety of things. So first off, first point, the big idea. And that may need some science. It may need some art and it may need a combination of head and heart and ultimately letting the numbers decide. So that's number one, having the big idea. Number two is considering your position, whether you're going to be a self-employed individual or whether you're actually going to move into being um, a corporate entity. Now, if you're doing it as a hobby, then obviously we only want to tell the um, tax authorities that you're doing it as a hobby. And in most countries in the UK or in the United States, um, a hobby has some criteria. It's usually less than a thousand pounds, approximately six hundred dollars. If that's your income and it really is only a fun thing, then the tax authorities don't need to know. But if, however, it's going to be a little bit more than that, then we do need to register ourselves with the variety of tax um, authorities. If you're in the UK, that's HMRC. Um, and again, within the vault, uh, there's a section of a link to uh, register yourself. If you're with the IRS, well, you can wait a little bit longer uh, and make sure that you can complete your tax return once a year where you'll um, automatically register yourself as being a sole trader. In the UK, because you don't have a tax return automatically, you do need to let the tax Tax authorities know. Once you've established yourself as a sole trader, because it's a hobby with a little bit more, perhaps a freelancer, then the next key thing is to think about a bank account. Um, I can't stress strongly enough as the numbers guy that you need to keep your finances separate. 
You don't have to. In either um, tax authorities, the US or the UK, they don't mind where your money goes. But trust me, as we start looking at the business plan, we start looking at the numbers plan. We need to know where our numbers are. Therefore, we need to know where our cash is. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the powerful decision section about the, uh, the need to understand where your cash is and where it's going. So a separate bank account is going to make so, uh, so much uh, so much easier for you. Um, that way we can keep our personal and our business expenses separate. Uh, and in fact, if anything, you can start to think, OK, I paid for that personally, but it relates to my business and therefore we can track it and keep it back. So self-employed is usually the first step, certainly if you're moving from being a commercial hobby to perhaps a freelancer. But you've taken the big decision and you've actually quit your job. Well, that leads us on to part three, which is the business structure. Again, depending on how big you think your business is going to be um, will depend on how you set your business up. But as I talked before about uh, in the course overview about the foundations, getting the structure of your business correct is important. Um, so what kind of entity will you be running? Business structure is often one of the most important decisions as it can affect your tax liability. In the UK, if you set yourself up as a sole trader or a limited company or a non-profit organisation, they have certain tax rules. In the US, the IRS has a similar sort of way. Are you going to be this sole trader? Are you going to be an S-Corp, which is a, a midway point where you pass through your earnings through an entity, but onto your personal tax return? Or are you going to be an LLC, a limited liability corporation, very much like the UK, where you're a business entity and now you have two tax returns? Um, many cases, people end up at the LLC fairly quickly, but it's a process. Um, and when we talk later about the powerful machine and letting the numbers decide, that's going to have a difference. Because as a sole trader, your income um, is fairly straightforward. We are interested in income and expenses, and that'll go through your personal tax return. So external accounting support, such as ourselves here at Miles Better, um, business services and accounting, um, it's a less costly support because it's a simpler one tax return. If you go down the LLC route or the limited company approach, well, then you've got now two business entities. And so it's key that we have some additional uh, resource and support. So a couple of things really to think about uh, uh, from that point of view, the way also will operate will have legal implications. Um, if you're a sole trader, you don't have an awful lot of protection. But if it's only a hobby or it's just a freelance in the evening, then why take on the additional responsibilities and uh, corporate structure? But if it's going to be your main income and your main effect, then you may want the protection um, so that your home and your personal wealth is a little bit separate. Um, so it's important that you understand um, and we'll explore some of those in uh, one of the key modules, which I'm calling obviously business structure, uh, location, location, location. But that gives you something that you need to start thinking about starting to gel. It's an area you can pop onto your Trello board as to what sort of questions might you need to ask, what questions might you want to bring up in the group coaching calls um, or drop us an email, etc. So we're here to support. So there's some sort of technical side of the of the process. Now into a little bit more of the fun side, choosing a name. You need to know what your business is going to be called. What does it stand for? Sometimes the name is obvious. Uh, here ourselves, uh, my name is Colin Miles, uh, and we like to call ourselves Miles Better. There's a play on our name, 
It doesn't specifically miles better, doesn't tell you what we do, but that has also allowed us to do miles better mastermind, which is our online courses, miles better vault, miles better business services, miles better business mentoring, miles better business brain. And it all, however, stems from the miles better. And we're miles better than, we're miles better at. So it's a great fun play on our name, but it also helps set um, our own personal brand. And when we look at the branding section, I'm gonna use my own company as a case study of how you can think about branding and understanding what I refer to as the onion of brand, which was uh, taught to me by a great mentor back in the uh, 90s and Neil Kennedy. Uh, and thank you for your support over the years. Um, and it's about brand essence and being able to peel away the onion levels um, so we get to a point of knowing exactly what you stand for. Uh, and then that will come across in everything that you do. Once you've got an idea of your name, uh, and it's, it could be a play on your own name, um, as we've done, it might be that you just want to trade as John Smith Inc., John Smith Limited. I think that's a little boring, to be honest. I think that the head and the heart can get together. Let the numbers decide can also um, have some fun in there as well, because actually it gives you so much more ability to brand and move around. But once you've chosen your name and you've chosen your company name, you need to check that it's available. Uh, and in the UK, you're going to look at company's house to make sure it's available if you're going to go the limited company route. If you're trading as, it's not such an issue. Um, but again, you need to be a little bit careful um, that your name is valid and that it's compliant. Uh, and we'll touch a little bit more on that in a section shortly about compliance. And I'll give you a case study again using us as an example. Um, so you've checked your name uh, and it's all available. You've checked perhaps in the US, if you're in the there, that you've checked with your um, Secretary of State that that, that name is available and you've registered your uh, limited liability company in the UK or in the US. Uh, and so you've got your name, which is great. Now we want to make sure that it's whether it's been trademarked by anybody. So again, there are registers out there that you can look at. Um, but I wouldn't get too hung up on those. As a small entrepreneur business person, the likelihood is that your name is going to be fairly easily available. And you know, unless you decide you want to trade as Pepsi Cola or Coca Cola, um, you're going to be okay. But I would suggest that you then think about, don't, until you've checked all of this, don't rush off and spend money on buying branded uh, materials and logos and things like that, because it's very, very easy to spend money on the things that we don't need. And we'll touch on that in detail when we get to the branding section. But I can't stress enough as the numbers guy, in the early days, you need to hang on to your cash. You don't need a fancy logo. You don't need a fancy uh, branding. Um, it's only just recently that we've paid to have a logo created uh, for ourselves um, when we actually knew more about the, the impact. Um, and we'll talk a lot about that uh, as we move through the physical costing and um, pricing allocation. What you do want to, however, do is probably go grab uh, the URL for your company's name if you can, uh, so that you've got that for when we look at the branding and marketing section, you've got that. Great place for you to go, uh, we use it here at Miles Better, is uh, Google Domains. £10, uh, including VAT per domain registration in the UK, $12 in the US. Um, there are obviously slightly more expensive options, but they give you a list of all of the variants, .com, .co, .uk, .us, .live, .help, etc., etc. Automatic renewal and you get some protection. Um, and we'll talk a lot more in one of the sections about hosting those websites for free um, on some software that we're using here. We'd love you to be involved uh, and we'll talk more about that later on.
So choosing a name, again, things you can start thinking about in these early days and start brainstorming um, and capturing the information on your Trello board, um, which is a powerful tool uh, that we've explored and stuff. So that's number four, choosing the name. Number five, writing that business plan. Now there is a huge section obviously within the course on writing the business plan. Um, and it's something that we will spend a lot of time on. Once we have built um, the foundations of our house, we need to start putting the wrapper on uh, around the building. If perhaps if you're using a UK example, we're putting the bricks up. If you're using a US example, we're putting that weatherproof wrapping on. A business plan is usually essential as well if you're gonna need to go out and get some financing. And if you remember lesson six um, of the module one um, drafting the blueprint is all about delivering the pitch so as I say you're going to need the plan and as you can see the module is going to build so the time you get to the end you're ready you have the tools we also will need to discover within the business plan what business model we're going to look at um, are you going to be an agitator are you going to be um, a disruptor and there's a whole section that we're going to look at that um, when we move through uh, the business plan process in module one the business plan's lofty goals, as it like to call it, is that it's going to identify your business goals. Where do you want to be? What's your 12-month plan? What's your 18-month plan? What's your five-year plan? It's going to outline your business strategy for achieving those goals. It's all very well saying, I want to conquer the world. That's not very specific. We'll talk about specificity, the word I hate, in the mindset section. But we need to have a goal that's very specific. I want to launch my business within the next three months and secure $1,000 a day income. Very, very specific. There's a line in the sand and there's a goal that we can aim to get to. You notice it had a time specificity and it had a cash money specificity. So again, letting the numbers decide are everything because they are the alpha and the omega. Um, and so once we know these goals, then we can make sure that all of our actions and behaviours match those goals. And we'll touch on that as well in some detail. It needs, however, to be realistic. There's no point if we, when we review our reverse engineering and we need to earn $10,000, £10,000 a month and we're going to sell something for £97, $97.00 it's going to not work. We're going to have so much um, effort and it's just going to be demoralizing. But again, that gives you an idea of what's involved. It should also include your marketing strategy, your sales strategy, and obviously your finances. So as we move through the modules of drafting the blueprint, cutting the ribbon, and the powerful decision model machine, then we're going to bring it all together. And by the end of the three mo modules, we'll have a solid, serious business plan um, that will be, allow us to be successful. So that's number five of my 12 points in the overview uh, of launching a business. Number six is a little bit more technical again, and that's about considering business insurance. Uh, again, in one of the modules later on, we're going to talk about uh, compliance and insurance, etc. Um, but it's important that you understand um, and aware that in this litigious world, we need to consider insurance. Guess what? It's an expense. Guess what? It's claimable. That's two positives. Guess what? It's cash leaving our business. So again, we need to think about what type of insurance do we need today? Do we need key person insurance protecting you? The likelihood is you may have had that when you worked for somebody, but it's a bit of a luxury at this point in time. If it isn't and you feel it's a requirement, well, guess what? We've got to remember to factor that in to the program, to the pricing and to our business plan. 
public liability insurance. If we end up taking on staff, we're going to need employers insurance. Perhaps as we have here, because we provide professional services, we need insurance, uh, professional indemnity insurance, and the list goes on. But they're important things that we need to remember. Many entrepreneurs, and I can give a lot of case studies of our own clients, forget these things. Suddenly they go, oh my God, I need to pay for this insurance. I've got motor vehicles, I need motor insurance. If you start using your own car in a business well, and then you have an accident and you haven't told the insurance company, well, guess what? They're not going to pay out because your current uh, insurance policy is for personal and domestic use only. So we need to think about these things and they have a cost implication. So business insurance is another boring element of launching a business, but it's important that we uh, manage that. Then we move on to compliance. And again, in this today's world, it's important that we understand um, that once you launch a business, that there are lots of boring things. It's not just the fun idea. It's not just the, uh, the marketing. It's not just the, the uh, early sales generation. Um, it's unfortunately some of the back office, the foundations that we need to think about. So we want to make sure your business is compliant. And that might mean that you have to check with your um, secretary of state. You have to check with um, a variety of legislatory bodies to make sure that you're active. And I promised earlier that I'd give you an example of where you have to be careful on that. An example would be ourselves. We originally named our company uh, Miles Better Accounting. And we are part of the uh, International Chartered Association of England and Wales, uh, and we're a listed company there that gives us our accreditation and is our professional body. When we, when we, we registered that company's name with the company's house, uh, and then we submitted our name to the uh, professional body, it was rejected. We were told that it was not a compliant name. In essence, what they said is we could not go around saying that we were better than anybody. We were miles better, was no good. So we tried to explain it was a play on our name of being um, Colin and Kate Miles, but they weren't having it. We then tried, OK, what about better accounting um, uh, by Miles Limited? No, can't say that. Again, not compliant, doesn't meet the code of ethics. So in fact, our legal company name is Accounting by Miles Limited, um, but our trading name is Miles Vetter. Uh, so you can always get rounded in a very uh, clever way. So again, compliance is important, but make sure you have the right permits. Um, if you're in the food industry, you're going to have to have hygiene permits. If you're in the um, financial services, you're going to need to have financial regulation. So again, things to think about when your big idea way back at the front, if there is a huge amount of compliance and a huge amount of on cost that you need, we need to factor those in because letting the numbers decide could at the very beginning state that this idea is not financially viable and I can only do it as a hobby and I can only do it as a bit of fun. So again, you can see everything has an impact on the numbers and expense. It might be that the um, compliance allows you to enter markets that you weren't able to go into. So there's always a positive side as well. But again, we need to be aware of those. So that's point seven, ensuring that we are compliant. Point nine, point, uh, nine point, where's point eight? Uh, there's point eight, I'm sorry, point eight. Uh, <laughs> point eight, good, I've got some notes really. Point eight, my favourite point. You need a business advisor. Uh, there's an accountant for that. You can see a book in our background uh, over there. There's an accountant for that. We even have a whole point on that when we get to the financial model section. Um, in small businesses, it is possible, obviously, to handle everything yourself. Many entrepreneurs think that they can do everything. They need to be at the coalface. But this is rarely the good use of your time. 
Entrepreneurs struggle with the mindset of outsourcing. And in the mindset section in the lesson to come, we're going to explore that in detail. But here, in essence, you need to think about that I'm your guru. I want you to be the hero on your journey. And as I said in one of the earlier videos, the hero in the journey needs a support team. Think of Green Arrow and the team. Think of them Avengers. There's not one Avenger anymore. There are multiple and they work together um, to save the world and save the planet. Well, a little bit like the Avengers and Green Arrow, I like to think of us as the accountant, as your Yoda in your corner. As an accountant, if you, obviously we would love you to work with us um, and there are many options to do so. But if you have an accountant already, that's great. Just use them as a resource. And if you haven't, then it's time to think about it because they bring so much more to the table. They can talk to you about sales tax. They can talk to you about VAT, planning, etc., etc. So. If that's something that we can help you with immediately because your business is ready to launch or you have already launched your business and are looking to grow, scale and profit faster, then that's where Miles Better can help. Now we're on to point nine. Back on track, guys. So thank you for that. And I hope you're enjoying so far this overview in a, in a, in a sort of slightly top line, uh, more relaxed sort of way. As we build through the modules, we'll ever and flow between being casual and general discussions um, to other points where we'll be quite specific about the training. So number nine, this is setting up your business premises. Two options, and we'll cover this in the um, section I've called location, location, location. Are you going to have a physical address? Are you going to work from home? Are you going to work online? Are you going to do a combination of both? We've been a virtual business since 2014, so we've never actually had any formal premises. That has saved us a lot of money. It's also meant that we can pivot as our business moves up and down when we've had great years and then we've had slightly slower years. And obviously with COVID-19 around um, for the last couple of years, um, th this current year, and it's going to move into next year as well, unfortunately, business premises have been a big drain on many companies and the corporate government Governments around the world are having to help with the properties and we can see that with empty buildings and stuff. So premises are sometimes a great asset. If you're going to open a shop, then really you probably need an on a ground reference. But then look at Amazon and they don't have any stores at all. They have a few now with Amazon Go, uh, but in essence, it's a total online business. Um, and with businesses having to close their shops and premises during the uh, pandemic, and I think there will be other restrictions moving forward, perhaps a combination of both is important. But remember, if you have to rent a property, that's money out of the door, cash leaving your business from the day you sign the lease. You may be fortunate enough to be able to get a rent-free period, but that's only going to be for a short period of time. And if it is, then we need to have ramped up the sales very quickly to cover that outgoing rent. Um, because often in cases it can be as high as 10, 15 or 20 percent of your turnover. And that's a lot of money going out the door very quickly. And when we look at the powerful decisions section and cash is king, that will play a big part in the discussion. So obviously, if you're basing it from home, which again is a great start, if it's going to be a hobby or a sort of freelancing, you need to think about, is that OK? Um, is your home allowed to be a small business? Um, if you're renting a home, you may need to get permission from your landlord. You may need to check in with your local authority, your local tax authorities and your state um, stroke county. Um, so again, coming back to compliance, it's important to understand the impact of your business idea and the structure. So you can see we're starting to layer more and more and more. 
Obviously, if you go into um, a property, there may be some incentives, as I mentioned. Your man, your landlord at the moment may offering rent-free periods to incentivize you. There are often government support schemes. There's the EIS in the UK. There's the um, uh, tax havens here in the US, etc. So again, going back to why do you need an accountant? Well, an accountant can help you um, through those minefields of the additional support, etc. So setting up your business premises is a decision that can have a huge ramification for your business, both on the financial side, but also on the permanency. Sign yourself up for a 10 year lease may sound like a good idea, but after five years, you've hemorrhaged money so badly, you can't get out. Again, you need to think about it, the balancing flow. Number 10 of our 12 points on how to launch a business overview. Create your brand. You've got a name, you've got your big idea, but now we need to talk about how far um, that brand comes to life. This is where, however, entrepreneurs can get very easily sucked into taking on outside resources who are very eager to spend your money. Websites, logos, branded items, merchandising product, the list goes on. You want to create an overall brand that you can message to, but we don't need to be Coca-Cola, we don't need to be Pepsi-Cola. If you're deciding to be an HVAC, uh, an air conditioning uh, company, or you want to be a gardening services, well, the likelihood of you needing branding logo, you're needing huge websites is going to be very remote because guess what? It's going to be through word of mouth. It's going to be through people, not the, what I would call good old fashioned guerrilla marketing. Yes, we need to have some branding, but we don't need to go crazy. In the branding section, we're going to talk about how you can maximise some very low value, almost free software, free support. Uh, we here at Miles Better do offer a digital branding um, section um, support programme, which allows us again to maximise and leverage these uh, lower value items. And we've also uh, partnered up with a brand called Groove Funnels, who we'll explore more on, whereas an affiliate, we can help you um, tie into some really great uh, long term deals. Um, where you'll benefit and we will too. But we'll come back to that. So remember, swish branding may be appropriate if perhaps you're deciding to be a, mark, um, a maker of greeting cards, but it may be a waste of time, as I say, if you're a handyman or a small service um, provider. But remember, in the big idea, and when we look at the who, what, why, and when, it's gonna start, and the branding, you can see it all layering on, it's gonna give us a feel of what we need. So brand is important. And again, you may have some ideas because it may not be relevant now, but they might be relevant in the near future. And it may leverage us to come up with an idea that of perhaps of a way we can launch your business. So we'll talk about that in the cutting the ribbon section. Number 11, we're almost at the 12 points really for this, May, this first overview. Number 11 is what I'm calling setting up the communication. You wanna be able to reach your customer. The old adage, if I build it, they will come, I've said several times now, isn't gonna happen. It might've worked for Kevin Costner in the movies, but it's not gonna work for you in the real world, all right? We're gonna to need to have an advertising and marketing plan. Are we gonna spend some money with Mr. Zuckerberg and Facebook? Are we gonna take an advert in the local paper? Are we gonna communicate through PR, press releases, through public relations? Guerrilla marketing will play a part um, and we're going to have to think about customer services. So those messages will come forward. We don't need to leap to those now. If you've got some ideas, then they're great because that's the fun part of launching a business. Let's capture those in the Trello board um, concept, as I mentioned about, um, create a board and put all these ideas in because they're going to help us really with the numbers again, because they all have a cost. If you think we can launch a business and advertise on local TV, forget it. The money is too much. 
But if we think we want to launch on Facebook and only spend a couple of dollars a day, that may not be enough. Because if you're competing with other clients and other businesses who are spending $20 a day, it soon mounts up. $20 a day is $600 a month or £600 a month if we use the UK currency. That's a lot of money going out of the door that we need to factor into our reverse engineering to make sure our pricing is right and our business is viable. So again, very easy for entrepreneurs to get sucked up into the fun element of a business and the branding and find that they've spent a huge amount of money and they've got no sales. That leads me nicely into uh, setting up your communication and selling and lead generation. Most people don't like selling. Unfortunately, as an entrepreneur, you are going to have to become the best salesperson in your business because you are the salesperson within your business. And as a result, I've created a whole module, a whole lesson within the module about generating sales leads and some tips and hints that I've learned over the last 30 years where I have been known by some people to be able to sell snow to snowmen, which is quite funny. Uh, so ensure that you have the necessary capacity for each of these, because being at the coalface, you're not going to be able to do everything. You are not probably going to be able to do your advertising, your PR, your complaints, your social media. But we can look at some tools and tips on how to streamline those and perhaps use as one of the mindsets, which is knowing when to outsource uh, and hire people and avoid some of the 10 common mistakes that all entrepreneurs make. That leads me nicely. I've just popped that uh, little uh, series of videos, the 10 common mistakes that uh, entrepreneurs make into the vault. Uh, drop on down to the extra super bonus sections and I've opened it up already for you uh, with some extra um, video material. So go enjoy that, please. And the 12th and final part of uh, of this quick overview um, is recruiting your staff. All right, so again, there's a whole module on this later on in the program, module uh, four, um, oiling the machine, where we actually talk about staff. But in essence, are you gonna hire staff? Because many bosses would answer when you only have to as a minimum. And that's as an entrepreneur, we don't like to share things. We don't like to not be in total control. But if your business is in a shop, um, and that's your desire and we and the numbers work well guess what you can't man that shop 24 7. if you can who's looking after your website who's looking after um, your pr etc etc so it's about sharing um, and using outsource but of course once you take on staff that's a whole nother kettle of fish a whole nother ball game all these analogies because you have legal responsibilities Realistically, once you take on staff, you're likely to have become a limited company in the UK or an LLC company in, um, in the US, and therefore you become an employer. You have employer um, requirements. You're going to have to pay minimum wage. Well, guess what? Minimum wage changes every year and it has an impact on your numbers. Is the person you're bringing on at minimum wage really going to provide you with enough services? There is the adage, and it's not an overly nice one, but if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Um, so you need to think about if your brand and your idea is up here, then unfortunately you're gonna have to pay people, unfortunately, more likely, fortunately, you're gonna wanna attract people who are also up here, and that means you're gonna have to pay well. You're then obviously gonna have to have additional insurance because you've now got employees. You're gonna need to think about employee benefits, perhaps healthcare, perhaps workplace pensions, medical, et cetera, et cetera. And they all have a cost. You can see where this is going. Everything comes back to the numbers. You take on a member of staff, it adds cost. 
what we need to ensure is that the costs are far outweighed by the new income. So we need to look at if I bring on a member of staff, what responsibilities are they going to have? What generation will they bring to the business? So they're wholly going to exclusively produce revenue for the business. Sometimes they're admin roles where, in fact, you're bringing people on to free you up as the entrepreneur to allow you to add more value to your business and go become the salesperson, as I said earlier, the best salesperson in the world. So there are pros and there are cons. And guess what? The numbers remove the emotion and let you decide on a, on a course of action. Um, holiday pay, sick pay, maternity pay vary from country to country, um, but they all have an impact. If you've, got, if you've got a pay holiday in the UK, you're paying something like 30 days of holiday. Um, in the US, you might get away with only 20, 21 days. Um, but who's going to cover those days when your staff are off? It may be that you can. So again, we need to factor those into the plan because if you're having to bring extra people on, holiday becomes expensive. It's a requirement. You can't get away from it, but you need to be aware of it and the impact that it has on your business and ultimately your cash, your profit and your revenue. So they're just some of the responsibilities that as an employer you'll need to consider. I'm not saying you shouldn't take on employees because some of them, in fact, all of the most successful businesses in the world have hundreds and thousands of employees. But they had to take a step. They let the numbers decide and also whether they're going to keep those staff or let those staff go when times go bad, which they inevitably do. Um, and we need to plan for those. Obviously, as your accountant, your financial support, your Yoda of the numbers, that's where I can help you. That's where the, the concepts of this course are going to help you get an understanding, but they can never be the day to day um, support. And that leads us finally on to the very last section, which is basically building your empire. Uh, and we're calling that in the last module, building the empire, when in fact you might need to think about additional funding. It's also at the end of module one, where it's pitching the delivery, because once you've got all this idea, you realise that actually your own personal savings aren't enough um, and you're going to need to go borrow some money from the bank where you need to deliver your pitch. If your business is well established and you're now looking to build the empire, well, then guess what as well? You're going to need to go to the bank, possibly for some additional capital to allow you to buy more um, resources, to buy, excuse me, to buy more assets. Uh, and a, a little bit, if you think like to the Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, where they're often looking for external investments. And remember some of the way reasons that they then say, I don't want, I'm out is because the entrepreneur has said that they're going to spend the money on wages or on stock. Well, investors do not want to have their money spent on um, uh, current assets. They want them spent on long term assets that would eventually take a return on their investment. So that's really where we end on this brief overview of the course. You can see that if you just follow those 12 stroke 13 points, you could potentially go off this afternoon and 24 hours later, if you answered all of the questions and completed all of the 12 tasks, you'd have a business that was ready to launch. But I'm hoping you'll stick around a little bit longer and we can enjoy the course together. Thank you for listening to this uh, fun uh, section and we'll move into the wrap up. I now. started to set the scene for the major topics for the course. As with any overview, we've only touched on the topics, a little bit like the trailer of a film. Um, so as you start the next few lessons and modules, the complexity and the details will go on up. Uh, and now, But now you have a top line roadmap, uh, a big, uh, almost like a helicopter view uh, that I hope will add more excitement and, please, uh, and pleasure as you move through uh, and start the programme. Do look to complete the assignments from this lesson below and visit the vault to find any additional support material for this lesson. 
Have a great day and I look forward to seeing you in the next Let the Numbers Decide lesson video. Please return to the course overview page via the link at the bottom or use the course homepage button in this section below.